Genesis chapter 17, the covenant of circumcision. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abraham fell face down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abraham. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, As for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you, for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are, to go under, you, are un, you are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days older must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. God also said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of ninety? And Abraham said to God, If only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he up from him. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael and all those born in his household, or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that very day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or brought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Well, in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Let's continue our Genesis series on the life of Abraham. Last Sunday, we heard and we learned of how Abraham and Sarai tried taking a shortcut, ended up making a mess of things when they tried to help God fulfill his promise of giving them a son. Sarai suggested that Abraham sleep with her servant Hagar, that they 
adopt the child that was conceived. But as servant Hagar realized she was pregnant, she started to despise her mistress and ran out of the house as a result. It was only after the angel of the Lord appeared to Hagar that she returned to her rightful place as Sarai's servant. In time, Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. Take note, 13 years have passed when we get to the event of this morning text. It seems that by this time, Abraham believed that Ishmael and his descendants would be the ones to inherit the promised land. As a son had not yet been born to his wife Sarai, but God appeared to set matters straight when Abraham turned 99 years old. Well, this time round, God had disclosed himself to Abraham in a more intimate way. He also manifested himself more fully in terms of his character and attributes. God referred to himself as God Almighty, El Shaddai in Hebrew. This is the first time God has been called by this name. It is a destination which emphasizes his infinite power. El Shaddai, which essentially means the God who is sufficient the all-competent God, the adequate God, who knows what is doing and how to do it. This is an indication that Abraham has learned something from his recent bitter experience. God says, in effect, for 13 years, you, Abraham, have been learning about the total inadequacy of your own efforts through Ishmael. Now learn a new thing about me. I am El Shaddai. You have discovered by sad experience how futile your plans and effort can be without me. Now learn how capable I am to do everything that I desire to do wherever and whenever I desire to do it. We all need to desperately recover the reality of El Shaddai, the God who is sufficient for whatever we are going through right now. This is what Abraham learned. In this new light from God came a new demand from God. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. What God was saying was because I am El Shaddai. I am all-sufficient to make you blameless. Walk therefore before me faithfully and blameless. That will be a life of fruitfulness and blessing, a life that is well-pleasing to God, and it all springs from the realization that God who lives within us is El Shaddai the God who is sufficient. Whenever you see God in a new way, there will always be a corresponding change in you. God gave Abraham a new name, Abraham. The name Abraham means father of multitude. 
because he would be a father of many nations and kings. A name had power in Abraham's culture. When a name was changed, it was usually done so to reflect a change in one's character or destiny. It was probably both in the case of Abraham, but more so to reflect the change of destiny for Abraham. God would not only reflect the change of character and destiny for Abraham, but he would do the same same for Sarai as well. Her new name was Sarah. God had destined her to be a mother of nations and kings of peoples. The point that God was making with the name change was that of purpose. It would remind them of the purposeful covenant that they had entered into with the Lord every time Abraham and Sarah said their new names. It would remind them that they had hope and a destiny. The point God, by changing their name, was giving Abraham and Sarah a permanent sign of his purpose for their lives. Their purpose was to be instruments that brought salvation to the world. Their purpose was to fulfill God's divine plans of redemption. While the Lord referred to his covenant with Abraham as an everlasting covenant, just as the Lord committed himself to Abraham and his descendants in time, he had also committed himself to Abraham and his descendants in eternity. God had also promised to give Canaan as an everlasting possession to Abraham and his descendants. As we move on, in Genesis chapter 17, verses 9 to 14, it tells us, Abraham and his descendants had an obligation within the covenant. The obligation was that they be circumcised. The signs of circumcision would be a mark of the covenant relationship between God and his people. Circumcision for Abraham meant that he had bound himself to God in this covenant. He looked forward for its blessing and he also submitted to the stipulations. The spiritual significance of circumcision is that it was a sign that God had set a people apart for the purpose of being a community of people who belonged to him. But it was also a sign of being set apart for the purpose of holiness. When God continued to say to Abraham, that the name of Sarai would be changed to Sarah and promised to give a son by her, that's in verses 15 and 16. This was Abraham's response to God's proclamation in verse 17. He fell on his face and laughed and said to his heart, Will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? 
Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Abraham's response is just about what we would have done. The promise was an incredible one, too much to take in one dose. Laughter is often the, the response to things which catch, off, uh, catch us off guard. Take note, more than 25 years have passed since God first called Abraham. More than 25 years have passed since God first made promises to Abraham. And more than 25 years of waiting, an endless waiting for Abraham and Sarah. Yes, more than 25 years, and there still was no child. Do you think Abraham was getting tired of waiting? Do you think Abraham and Sarah were doubting God and his covenant promises? Of course they were. As is made clear by the laughter of unbelief of both Abraham and Sarah, which is chapter 17, verse 17, and 18, verse 12. Later we're going to look at it respectively. Abraham's word to God also reflect a failure to fully grasp what has been promised. In verse 18, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. If Abraham could not believe that Sarah would bear a son to him, then his request is easily explained. Ishmael was now 13 years old. Abraham's and Sarah were now accustomed to having Ishmael as part of the household. So he informed God that as far as he was concerned, Ishmael was satisfactory as his heir. In their mind, at least Ishmael was the child of the promise and it was through him that the covenant would be established. It would not be necessary to have the wonder of another son be born through Sarah since the son was already in the family. Why should another son be born? Especially when conflict would be inevitable. Couldn't God choose to bless Ishmael rather to provide another child? God's plan would not be changed. God had purpose to give Abraham and Sarah a child and through this child to bring about his promises. No substitute son would be satisfactory, especially when he was the result of self-effort. Indeed, Sarah would bear a son and spiritual blessing could only come about through him. God rejects Abraham's plan. Instead, once again, the Lord reaffirms that Sarah will be the one who gives birth to the promised child. This time, the Lord declares that the child will be a son and that his name shall be Isaac. Isaac means to love. The name Isaac would be a constant reminder to Abraham of his limited faith and God's power. It would remind him that what seems impossible by man's standards 
is no way impossible by God's. It would be a constant reminder that God's ways are not our ways, and that His thoughts are not our thoughts. It would be a constant reminder that the Lord is far more able to do than what we ever ask or think. While the spiritual blessing must come through Isaac, God will not overlook the love Abraham for his son, nor his own promise to Hagar. That's recorded in chapter 16, verse 10, and the following verses. Ishmael would become a great nation, and of him would come twelve princes. But the spiritual blessing could only come through Isaac. The doctrine of divine election is to be seen in this promise. In verses 22 to 27, we see Abraham obeying the command that the Lord gave him back in verse 9. Abraham's response also takes the reader back to the very first verse where the Lord commands Abraham to walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Abraham's response reveals that he was a faithful partner in the covenant relationship with the Lord. Let's move on to Genesis 18, though it's not in our reading, but they are all related together. And now, some time later, God makes a surprise visit to Abraham and Sarah at their tent home. He comes in the form of a man along with two angels by his side who also appear as men. Abraham offered his visitor water to drink and for washing their feet. Let them rest in a shady, a shady spot and gave them something to eat. All these are the comfort that a traveler would appreciate in hot weather, like today and tomorrow. <laughs> Once he had seated his guests and provided water for them to wash their feet with, he ran to Sarah and asked her to bake bread. Then he went to his herd where he picked out a calf that would provide the most tender meat for his guests. Note the hurry verbs in verses 6 and 7. This show Abraham's eagerness to fulfill his role as host to these three travelers. Next, Abraham asked Sarah to take care of the baking. Abraham is rich. He and Sarah have servants, perhaps many servants, who would be expected to bake bread. When Abraham asked Sarah to attend to the baking, he is thus raising the task to the highest level rather than delegating it to a servant. He also specified that she is to use choice flour and asked her to bake a quantity of bread. Well, someone counted about 130 pieces of flat bread, far in excess of the amount that the three visitors can eat. Verse 7, 
continuous emphasis on over-the-top generosity. In that time and place, most meals would be meatless. Meat being reserved only for special occasions. Most people could not afford to slaughter an animal for food on any ordinary occasion frequently, especially not a large animal like a calf. A calf could feed dozens of people, especially not a large and uh, especially not a large and so, sorry, read, jump the line. Not just three visitors, right, and their hosts, without and this without any refrigerations in those days, a person would sacrifice a calf. Who sacrifice a calf have to sort the majority of the meat to preserve it for future use or share it with number of other families. If a person who was going to slaughter an animal to feed three visitors, a small animal such as a lamb or goat would have been more appropriate. And verse 8 says, While they ate, he stood near them under a tree, rather than sitting at the head of the table, which would be a typical behavior for a host in such circumstances. Abraham personally set the food before his guests and then stand nearby while they eat to ensure that every need is met. More like what a waiter at an expensive restaurant might do rather than like a host. To summarize, verses 6 to 8 conveys Abraham's zeal to treat these visitors with extraordinary generosity. After the meal, God declared in verse 10, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, will have a son. God had promised that Sarah would bear a son before. That is in chapter 17, verse 16. So here, he was simply reiterating a commitment already made. He did, however, state the time frame more specifically about this time next year. Abraham had laughed with skepticism when he had heard the promise earlier. Now Sarah, who was standing just inside the tent behind the stranger, also laughed. But her laughter was a silent sneer. An old woman like me get pregnant with this old man of a husband? Sarah found God's promise laughable. She made no sound at all but laughed to herself. But beyond the curtains, the Lord read her minds and said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? 
I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid. She saw that her heart was open and known to God. She saw that there was one who reads hearts as we read books, and she reacted just like we do. She denied that she had loved. She had tried to believe, but her hopes had been dashed so painfully against the reality of her barrenness so many times. She could no longer believe. Her laughter had the cynical age of a person who had been hurt before and who was not willing to risk being hurt again. The appearing of the Lord to Abraham and Sarah communicated the intimate fellowship the Lord has with his people and God's ability to fulfill his promises to those who are in an intimate fellowship with him. Now let us summarize the lessons we learned from this morning passage. First, El Shaddai. The God we worship is El Shaddai. The almighty God who is a sovereign God, the all-competent God, and the adequate and sufficient God. God works in such mysterious way. He meets our needs in ways that are not our ways and time in times that are not our choices. Like Sarah, we have suffered crushing disappointment. Like Sarah, we have waited for blessings that seem always just beyond reach. Like Sarah, we are prone to cynicism. Like Sarah, we are prone to despair. But God of Abraham and Sarah is with us. The God of Abraham and Sarah will not fail us or forsake us. The God of Abraham and Sarah brings blessing to those who love him. But he does so in his own ways and his own time. We are prone to despair because we want answer to our prayer now. God gave Sarah the blessing only after there was no longer any hope of blessing. God gave Sarah the child only it had ceased to be with her after the manner of women. And God gave Abraham the child only when it had ceased to be with him after the manner of men. Only when human possibilities were exhausted did God fulfill the promise. But that, what a promise fulfilled. What a fulfillment. He brought Abraham and Sarah the blessing of a child of, in their old age. And through the child, he blessed all the nations of the earth. Second, spiritual growth. The more we study the life of Abraham, the more we see that it was a relationship of growth. He came to learn more and more about God who called him. He came to a deeper 
and deeper understanding of the meaning of God's word. As he did so, he invariably drew nearer and nearer to God. There was not only a growth in Abraham's knowledge, but in his intimacy. At first, God only spoke to Abraham, like Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. 24 years later, he revealed himself to Abraham and spoke with him. Abraham, for the first time, communed with God and interacted with God. Later, he would be called the friend of God. You and I cannot have a static relationship with God. Not if we are truly born again. God will not allow this to happen. He may allow us to fail such as Abraham often did. He may leave us to ourselves for a time as Abraham found God silent for 13 years. But sooner or later, God will break into our lethargic lives, draw and draw us closer to himself. That is what Christian life is all about. Third, is there anything too hard for the Lord? The great rhetorical question is, in this morning passage, is, is anything too hard for the Lord? And the great answer that the Lord always gave is, no. The same God who created the heaven and earth is the same God who can make a barren womb fruitful. The same God that made the barren womb fruitful is the same God who can make a virgin girl pregnant by means of an immaculate conception. The same God who can bring about an immaculate Conception is the same God who can raise his son to life on the third day. The same God who can raise his son to life on the third day is the same God who can promise salvation to all who come to his son by faith. The same God who can do all these extraordinary things in history can also do them in your life as well. The question, is anything too hard for the Lord deserve a personal response from all? Are there any problems and troubles and circumstances in your own life that are too difficult for God to handle? Absolutely not. God can and will take care of his people are in a covenant relationship with him. Fourth, lastly, hospitality. Like Abraham, do you graciously bound to intuitions of your day? Or do you get your back up instead when interrupted? Now, if we think that Abraham went a bit overboard in his service, perhaps we need to adjust our standard of hospitality. God created us to serve and to care for each other, even when it might not be convenient to do so. Sure, 
Abraham was serving the Lord himself, seeing that's who, uh, who one of the travelers was. But he didn't seem to know it at that time. Anyway, this is how we are to treat each other, as if we are serving Jesus himself. For our Savior once said, I tell you the truth, whatever you do, for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you do for me. Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Amen. May the Lord bless you.